It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen, coming at you Monday through Friday, every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, I want to talk about reasons for optimism and how the Blazers can approach the near term to get the best results into the future. this is going to, you know, sort of center around the idea of trading Damian Lillard, but not necessarily a, a, a damn trade show per se, because I think you, dear listeners, have had enough of that, and we sort of can't avoid it because it is still there. But I, I, I think, um, I think the Blazers are, and I don't, know, I don't know that I've hammered this thought enough in the show. I think the Blazers are in a pretty good spot, and depending on how the sort of Lillard resolution comes up, I think they could be in an even better spot moving forward and moving forward relatively quickly. So I want to talk about what I think they should prioritize in a Damian Lillard trade. I want to talk about sort of where they are in the downswing towards the upswing, and then we'll close the show talking about uh, why I think there's a chance that there's some real joy on the horizon. Let's talk about um, prioritizing what they should prioritize in a trade. Obviously, like, it just seems like an inevitable that Damian Lowe is getting traded. Like the team's not moving. The team is, the roster is set up. The the whole thing is set up for like, for Dame to be traded. There, there's a question of when and how long it'll take. And Joe Cronin says, if it takes months, it takes months. And sure, if this, if this drags into February, it totally changes the sort of tenor and timbre of, of, of the whole, of the whole situation. And, and obviously, uh, what we do here is talk about the team. So as that, as, as that shifts, we'll see. But, um, I am of the belief that I, I think at some point in August this will get decided, but if it doesn't, obviously that changes things. The number one thing the Blazers should prioritize, if they're capable of prioritizing, is like a really good young player. If they're trading Dame, you want like a blue chip prospect in, in, in return and some draft picks, right? Like that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, I'm not sure that the, like the market is the market, right? You know, it's, 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 um, it's different for every player based on a variety of factors, age, money, uh, and for Dame, there's like some natural forces, his age, his contract situation, um, his position th- th- that have kind of uh, created, maybe shrunk the market a little bit. And there's been some um, inorganic factors like him using superstar um tools, we'll call them, to sort of shrink his market, right? To saying, I only want to play for one team and and um, relatively typical superstar stuff, but still like, again, like strong, strong arming, right? Like creating the market that you want. This is, um, we've seen it happen across the league now. It's come home to roost. And I don't think, I think generally speaking, there's a swath of the fan base that is um, uh, turned off by that situation is upset by that situation. And I think you have every right to be frustrated with sort of how this is playing out because, um, the, the, like it's, it's, it's a bummer. Um, but I think, and I've said this a lot on the show is like the, the, the trademark was always going to be, um, a little bit narrow just because of Dame is a very specific type player. He's really good right now. And, um, you, if you're going to trade for him, it's like a two-year window to really go for and try to win a championship how many teams are on that type of timeline that that's sort of a natural that's one of the natural factors than the strong arm superstar stuff is the the inorganic factors so if you're prioritizing a dame trade you want to trade for a really good young player right like you want the mikhail bridges you want the cam johnson's that's that's what you want even maybe like a lowry market in a swing for that like in the donovan mitchell trade if that were to be there um 
I think that's that's the move you go for. It might not be there. It seems like the sort of the young players that even can conceivably be available are players that don't necessarily fit the Blazers' current roster. Tyrese Maxey in Philly, obviously Tyler Hero in Miami. So you're if you were to you know if if the Blazers were to make deals with either of those two teams or or be involved in a multi-team deal like that, you you would want to reroute those players and get picks, right? You want to maximize your picks. The the, the sort of best deal from the Heat is like. The 2024 pick, the 2028 pick, the 2030 pick, all from Miami, and then swaps in between in 25 and 27. So you get three picks, the right to swap two picks if it should come to it, and then you flip Tyler Hero and say you get another first-round pick. So you'd get end up with four and two swaps. Like, that's like the best package on the table right now. But for me, it's the other ancillary stuff um, that I think matters, and... I want to talk about why I think prioritizing cap space really matters. I think that it has been um, floated that the Heat want to include Duncan Robinson in the trade as opposed to Kyle Lowry. I have kind of flip-flopped because I don't think there is, you know, I, Duncan Robinson is a little bit overpaid, uh, maybe a lot a bit overpaid, but he's not an awful basketball player. He's like a specialist who's paid to be more than a specialist. Um would not be something you prioritize in a trade, but if you like have to take on the money, you're not going to be like, no. Lowry is a giant expiring contract. And if I'm the Blazers, I would prefer, much prefer Lowry over Duncan Robinson. I would prefer cap space over if you, short of a blue chip, short of a blue chip prospect, which might not just straight up might not be out there. Even if you go into the season with Dame on the roster, you might not, you might, you might, right? And that's the reason that you're patient. But it seems relatively unlikely for the reasons that I've discussed myriad times on the show. So I think you want to exp- you want to prioritize if if the market is the market prioritize expiring um, contracts and picks. Like I said, the, there is a world in which you can get the Heat to play ball and say, "Give us all the picks," and I think that's what the Blazers should hold out and do. If the only team they can really deal with is the Heat, get the absolute best best package from the Heat, but prioritize. You're not going to get the blue chipper from the Heat unless you're a big Nikola Jovic or Jaime Hakas fan. I like Jaime Hakas. I'm not sure he's a blue chip prospect. Uh, I'm sure he's not, um, but like. I would prioritize something akin to Kyle Lowry, even if you're dealing with um, any other teams in the league, because cap space is going to be valuable in 2024 for a variety of reasons. One, there are a ton of interesting free agents in the class. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, LeBron James can all become free agents. They have player options to opt out. DeMar DeRozan, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam can all uh, hit free agency. The Blazers aren't going to sign any of those gentlemen. Um Portland's not a free agent destination for the most part across the league. 22 or 24 teams in the league are not free agent destinations for top tier free agents. Uh, mostly guys stay with incumbent teams and then demand a trade, unfortunately, or uh, or go to like one of six or eight glamour markets in the league. That's just kind of how free agency works in the NBA. The Blazers are not going to be a factor. But when you have this 2024 free agent class that's appealing, and there's you know obviously some restricted free agents that'll be coming up from the 2020 draft class, um, it's the the Blazers should position themselves to have a ton of cap space in next summer. That is the pr- a priority that I think has some real value. And the reason that you do that is 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 twofold. One, um, it allows you to, uh, well, it's onefold, but there's there's a variety of factors. It allows you to be a dumping ground for teams that are 
um, needing to create cap space, whether they want to chase one of these big name free agents or whether they need to re-sign a big name free agent and then get under, um, you know, and, and, and lose, get a little bit cheaper in order to do so. In the 2024-25 season, the um, the new parts of the CBA, they're kind of slow rolling out these more punitive measures, There'll be even more punitive measures for teams with really expensive rosters above the second apron. So teams that are even not just like looking to create cap space to make a run at Pascal Siakam or make a run at, 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 at uh, Paul George, but just teams that are prioritizing, like, we need to re-sign players to big money contracts. Like, we want to re-sign OG and Pascal Siakam in Toronto. But if we do that, we're going to be way up over the second apron. So we've got to lose some money. The Blazers need to be the place, the dumping ground for teams that need to cut salary or move salary around. This is the value of, if you are a non-destination team, what you can be is you can be the way station. Take a player on a contract that is that that you know even if it's like a mid-range contract, but the, the team just needs to jump below the the sort of a, a certain tax threshold in order to do what they need to do. Say okay, give us three second-round picks for our troubles. Give us a protected first-round pick for our troubles. This gets the Blazers in, in a place where they can sort of restack their ass, asset chest and take advantage of a situation that that will be. You know, like I said, they're not going to be a free agent destination pretty much ever. So being a place, being a team with cap flexibility that can absorb contracts that other teams don't want is the way that you can be a player in free agency, the way that you can be a factor because teams are going to have to deal with you because, you know, as we get into this new world of the CBA, it is, it is, there are just more punitive measures for teams with really expensive contracts and being a team with flexibility to take on that money has real value for the Blazers. So you become, you become a place where you get picks and you get uh, unwanted money in order to um, in order to uh, facilitate other moves around the league. It's not glamorous. Um, it's it's maybe not ideal, but it does. Um, it puts you in. Um, it puts you in a position where you can be a player in the summer, but to do that, you have to prioritize not taking on long-term money. Right now, the Blazers' long-term money is Anthony Simons, it's Jeremy Grant, and it's Yusuf Nurkic, and it's obviously Damian Lillard. We assume Damian Lillard at some point before next summer is going to be traded, um, and we don't really know if Nurk will be included or he won't. It's Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons are the, like the big long-term money contracts you've got on the books. Other than that, the books are clean, and the, and Joe Cronin has done it has really prioritized keeping the books clean. I think this is crucial for what they're doing moving forward. Become prioritize cap space so you can become that way station for for teams that are trying to make moves in the summer of 2024 when there's a bunch of free agents and there might be a bunch of teams trying to make those moves. Okay, one of the questions I think that comes up is like, how how long is this going to take? If the Blazers are bad, how long are they going to be bad for? Because the part of the like, you know, not wanting to trade Damian Lillard in, early in the season or now wanting to like prioritize the best return, the right thing to do, prioritizing the best return to be sure, is like, you know, you don't want to be bad for five years. You don't want to set this, the set the franchise back for five, six years and end up like, when, you know, one of those teams that spends a decade out of, out of contention. I don't know that the Blazers are going to jump up into contention super quickly, but I think they are further along in this rebuild maybe than we have given them credit for. We, including myself, talking into this microphone right now. Let's talk about that, where they are in the rebuild in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. 
Why not swing, take a big swing betting on MLB at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to Yerfies to Nerfies to over-unders or who you think's going to hit the first home run. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. So, I think the Blazers should prioritize cap space in a potential Damian Lillard trade whenever that might come up. Obviously, they should prioritize good players, but if short of that, prioritizing cap space as opposed to taking on money, super valuable because they can be, they can, it's a way that they can become a place that accepts assets for free for teams dumping salary in the future. But if you're a place where teams are dumping salary and you're a, team, you're a place that's like collecting assets, it seems like you're a bad team in the, in the downswing. And I think the Blazers aren't going to be very good this year. Like, it seems like they're very blatantly in front of your face putting together a rebuilding type of roster. Um, I've mentioned this in, the, in a previous episode. It's like, there's not a lot of other teams that... Um, that aren't like sort of going for it or halfway going for it. I think the Spurs are kind of halfway going for it in the West. Like most teams are trying to be competitive in the Western conference this year. So there's not a lot of teams that are like really bottoming out. The Blazers have, they do right now. They do not have a roster like capable of jumping up into that mix. Um, They're probably, you know, they're like looking at a, like a 27 to 30, four win team uh li- listener nathan sent an email uh, shout out to, Na- to listener nathan sent to me an email it's like they don't need to lose um 60 games like they don't need to be a 20 win team they can be a 25 win team and that's fine and i like that level of optimism nathan oh yeah 25 wins that's a lot of losses that's a long season um but i don't you know the blazers are set up to be a rebuilding young not very good team this year absolutely that's that is that's the direction they have chosen to go and i think it's like i said i think they're in a good spot i think this is like a responsible path all things considered it's not a great path but i think they're set up in a in a way that they can be better quicker than maybe i have thought in the past one of the reasons that many fans and i think even some folks in the media have have sort of said like you know, build around Dame at all costs is because you, if you, if you go the draft route, you can spend five seasons being bad. And I will say this, that might be true, but are we sure the Blazers haven't already spent those first two years being bad? They've won less than 35 games in back-to-back seasons. They finished with the sixth worst record in the league and drafted Shane Sharp. They finished with um, the fifth worst record in the league and moved up to three and drafted Scoot Henderson. For my money, the last two years where they started when Joe Cronin first took over in December of, uh, of, of 2020 or when was that 2021, he, you know, he, he tore the thing down. Like that, that's, that's, that's the first thing he did was he got rid of all the long-term money. He got, he, you know, he, he made even just like salary cutting moves. He cleaned up a really expensive, comp- like they should have been more competitive than they were, but this was like, they were like a, 
they were a mid-level playoff team that had a roster, a contender level um, salary, like salary slot, right? They, they were like a really expensive roster for a team that was going to be the sixth best team in the West. They were much worse than that. And when you're much worse than say sixth best team in the West, tear it down. He tears it down. Like he, he absolutely just like got cleaned up the books, prioritized cleaning up the books, didn't take back long-term money. Um, you know, he's made some more big financial commitments, the Damian Lillard contract, the Yusuf Nurkic contract, now the Jeremy Grant contract. But for the most part, he has kept the books clean. I think the every time his contract is big, but it's not, um, he's, he's paid pretty fairly. That's, that's what it costs to have an Anthony Simons on your roster. That's like, that's just the, that's the going rate of having like a, a solid starter on the team. Um, you, there's a chance even that Anthony Simons outperforms the contract and he's, and he's underpaid, but so year one, tear it down, get cheap, you know, end up tanking the, the you know, super tanking the end of the season and, and end up with a high draft pick. That seems like you're one of the rebuild, right? That's what you would do. That That's what a rebuild would look like, even if you launched it in another way. Year two, last year, um, you know, they said they wanted to be competitive, but they didn't fill out the roster with enough bigs to be competitive, um, seemingly on purpose. By the end of the season, it was like, oh, this must have been intentional. And then they super tanked the final 10 games of the season, held Jeremy Grant out for like a month, held everyone out for the final 10 games. As soon as Dame hit 58 games that he qualified to be among the league leaders statistically, they held him out as well. Um, it it just, they that, that's the direction they chose to go. And they chose to go uh, pretty, they... It looks it looks like a what a rebuild what a what a what a full sort of um, tanking rebuilding youth movement would look like. They just happen to still have vets on the roster. So well, I think there is a chance that it, this does take five years to swing from where they were all the way through the trough to where they're going to go. I would argue that this year might be even year three of that rebuild. And if Shaden Sharp takes a step forward, if Scoot Henderson is a, you know, is really a, a darn good player in year two, which for guys who have sort of been drafted in his ilk, um, you know, Trey Young averaged like 30 and 10, right? Um, in year two and started the all-star game. If he's if he's the Trey Young, if he's a Darius Garland, if he's like these guys who are all-stars on their rookie contract, you're talking about, um, you know, the, the rebuild gets jump-started, not this season, which is why I think they should prioritize cap space and, and collecting assets. But in next year, they could take a leap to being, oh, a competitive team. And then in the following year, that would be year four of this of this rebuild. They could be like legitimately good. You nail another draft pick, you continue to get assets. And and if Shaden Sharp is is really good and if and if Amphrey Simons is, is really good and, and you can make those those parts fit. And if Scoot Henderson is really good, and if Jeremy Grant like continues sort of his solid starter level play then the moves you need to make are role players. And it's just much easier in the league to add role players than stars. If they've nailed the top end talent through these draft picks, which is what you hope to do in a rebuild with Sharp and Scoot, then you need to add role players and it's just simpler to add role players. And then, and then these steps are just cleaner to get where you need to go. If they haven't nailed these picks, then the rebuild is longer. That's the longer tail, right? But if you trust this, this, um, front offices sort of drafting acumen in their approach, then you got to think that, or you don't have to think, you you may think that they're sort of further along in the, okay, this is a five-year plan, a four or five-year plan. Well, what if this is year three of the four or five-year plan? What if the moment Joe Cronin took over, he started, he actually launched the sort of 
actions of a rebuilding team and it just they just happened to still have this franchise icon and some other vets on the roster at the time they got rid of most of those vets it seems like Damian Lord is going to be traded here in the next weeks or months it's either going to be very soon or way too long like February but um it is at at some point they're going to take you know step what seems like step one, but it's actually step 12 of this, of this rebuilding process. And if they nailed, if they nailed these draft picks, which, which I think there's reason to think that they've done pretty darn well with these draft picks, they are further along. They're like further along in the rebuild than it appears. And certainly than I have previously given them credit for. This is legitimately a rosy view. Like this is kind of a homery view. And I, 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 maybe I don't typically do this on the show, but I, I do think, um, I do think there is reason to think that instead of this being the downslope into the darkness, that this is kind of the low point and that from here forward, they are lifting out of this. Um, you know, if you think of it like the sort of reverse bell curve, if, if this is the low point, then the next two seasons are the upswing, even if this one doesn't feel like it because it's still on the bottom half of that curve. But next year, like you're going to have to wait a whole year of as listener Nathan said, of, oh, hey, that's fine. They can win 25 games. <laughs> Not, they won't, they will only win 20 games. They'll win 25. That's right. Five more wins, baby. That's like another win each month. Um, you know, after this tough year, they might be in a, in a solid position. There's reason to think that this is actually year three, not year one of the rebuild. And if that's the case, then the sort of the timeline feels a lot easier to deal with. Okay. I want to give you a reason for legitimate optimism, why this year might be legitimately fun. Just from a a pure fan perspective, reasons for that that I think this Blazers season will be legitimately fun. Join me in that third segment for for real optimism, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. The most fun thing in sports is when a team with low expectations overachieves. There's nothing like it. It is so fun. It is There is nothing more rewarding than when you are rooting for a team, then you say, like, they're going to stink, or they're not going to be very good. And they over overachieving on low expectations is the most rewarding fan experience you could possibly have. There's nothing like it. Um, high expectations are brutal, right? Like this team's championship level. And like, if, if they fall short of that, it's, it's really tough. Or I think this team can be X and X and X and, and they fall short. I think this team's going to be bad. And they're a little, even a little better. So good. A lot better. Incredible feeling. No greater sports ecstasy than a team overachieving on low expectations. Think about the, um, the 2015-16 season. The Marcus Aldridge left that summer. It's like, you know, an all-star leaves. He kind of strung the Blazers out for a little while before uh, deciding to sign with the Spurs. Didn't string them out that long. I think he decided like five days into free agency. But it was a long, a long stretch. And he took some meetings and the Blazers were posturing like he was, oh, he's, he's going to come back. But it seemed like he was gone and then he was gone. And it was like, okay, just Dame and we'll see what happens. This was, you know... Um, a young, a young Damian Lillard at, you know, entering, entering, um, a, a chance to sort of take over the mantle when he was clearly ready to be a franchise player, but like he, this, he was now, you know, t- taking over a team, um, in which he was going to have to be the guy and they were going to be young and they were kind of taking swings on like 
role players, you know, trading a second round pick from O'Harkless, adding Alfredo Camino and Ed Davis, kind of just like, you know, prioritizing moving CJ McCollum into the starting lineup and seeing what you have with some young guards. And they weren't supposed to be good. In fact, the Blazers were trying to tank that year. They were trying to lose a bunch. What happened was that they got rolling in January and they ended up winning 44 games. And it was a weird down year in the West. So 44 44 wins, which typically wouldn't get you the fifth seed in the West, got the fifth seed. The Clippers got super injured um, in the playoffs. The Blazers played great in those playoffs, but also the Clippers got injured and got out of their way. And they ended up making the second round of the playoffs in what was supposed to be a tank year. It was one of the most rewarding, most exciting, most fun, one of the most fun years in, 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 in recent history, probably other than 2019 for the Blazers. It's a team with little or no expectations, super low expectations, riding a young guard and saying, hey, well, let's come what may. We'll figure it out. The roster isn't perfect, but we'll, you know, but but I'm excited, you know, and not even I'm excited. I think this team's going to be bad, but they have a bright future somewhere off in the distance and they overachieved and it was as rewarding and fun a fan experience as you could have. I think this year's team has that potential. Not maybe 44 wins in the second round of the playoffs. I think they're too young. You know, Dame was unestablished. He was, you know, first of all, he was older. He'd played four years in college. Scoot has played, Scoot's 19. He's played a couple of professional seasons, but it was a little bit different. Shaden Sharp didn't play college basketball. CJ McCollum had played two years. Like, But every time it's pretty good. Uh, Jeremy Grant's pretty good. Like they have, they they probably have more, a little more talent um, than that year's squad did. Um, probably not as much depth, but a little more talent than that year's squad did. Um, it's just, it's... I don't mean to draw like a direct comparison necessarily, but this is a team that's probably as currently constructed. And we'll see like the Dame stuff is just like up in the air, but assuming that Damian Lillard is like not part of the plan for too long into the season, like if he is, then that like totally changes the calculation. I don't think the Blazers want that, right? Like I think they, I think they want to continue this rebuild. So I think they'll um, at some point prioritize a resolution. So we'll see, but this team is going to have pretty low expectations. I think I've mentioned on the show, it's like they might be the worst team in the Western Conference. That might be by design. That's fine. You want to make incremental moves every year of this of this thing to get better. But if you're bad now, as long as you're making the right incremental moves and getting the right, okay, this fits, this doesn't fit, getting the sort of right data, you're on the right track. But the expectations are going to be low. They're going to be low. It is what it is. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be a team with limited expectations. But... That said, if they overachieve, there is nothing more rewarding in sports than that feeling. And the thing about low expectations is they protect you from um, being upset, right? Like if you if you're like listener Nathan's getting a lot of shoutouts, but whatever sends me a lot of emails. Appreciate you, Nathan. If you're thinking that they're a 25 to 30 win team and they win 38 games. Feels great. Feels great. Oh, they're ahead of schedule. There is nothing like that. There is nothing like that. If it's, it's, it is truly one of the best parts of sports. And if you think they're going to win 25 or 30 games and they win 24, it's like, yeah, well, I knew they were going to be bad. Here they go struggling and we get a high draft pick and there's hope for the future. I think there are there is sort of a baked in reason to be excited about this team. And I haven't even mentioned the talent. Uh, Scoot Henderson might be a future All-NBA guard. Shaden Sharp looks like he could be, you know, uh, there were flashes last year where it looks like he could be a very, very special player in the league. He's 20 years old. He's he's like, he's going to, you know, he's going to get a big minute role this year and we'll see what he can be. Every time he's just 24 and and has a chance to, to grow. The back half of the roster has so many interesting question marks. 
Can Nazir Little take a step forward? Can Jabari Walker be like a legitimately good role player in the league? What is Chris Murray? Like they have, you know, they're super young, which is why I think they're going to struggle. But uh, they have, not only are the expectations going to be low, which allows for this space for it to be like, again, the most rewarding experience in sports, which is rooting for a team that you think is going to be bad that ends up being a better than the, better than you thought. But they have like, there's legitimate reasons to like tune in and say like, oh yeah, they've got really fun young players that I'm ready to root for. I'm ready to see Shane Sharp dunk on everyone. I'm ready to see, ready to see Scoot Henderson, you know, be young Baron Davis, young John Wall. Like there are, um, you know, like the talent is there and the expectations are going to sort of give you that protective armor that you need to like root for a team that's going to be young. And there is this, like I said, they're sort of in year three of this teardown. And if they start to rise up out of it, that there is there is just a certain type of joy that comes with rooting for a team that has exceeded low expectations. And the Blazers have the sort of ripe potential to provide you with that exact type of joy. This is not a hold on to your joy moment. Um, that is a, a classic theme of the show. This is a, hey, I think that right now it, it, it feels... It's tough to be a fan of this team because they're just in a bad space and a guy you've rooted for for a long time doesn't want to be there and they're, they're kind of like, um, you know, and there's all this and the, and you have to deal with Miami Heat fans on the internet and that's no fun. Uh, if you're listening to Miami Heat fans, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> uh, but like it's, it is, I think there are very real reasons to think that this team is, while probably headed for a a challenging season, a season that could be rewarding, a season that could be fulfilling. And really what we're hoping for as fans is that feeling. I am rewarded and fulfilled by rooting for my team. Some fans out there obviously like need to see a championship where they feel like something is deeply wrong. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> uh, I am I am of the belief that most teams lose and what you're looking for is a certain amount of joy. And I think the Blazers are primed to deliver a certain amount of joy if not a whole bunch of it okay that's a little optimism to send you in the weekend this is you are listening to friday july 21st show i appreciate you listening come back we'll do five more next week it's what we do monday through friday wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube tell your friends about the program i appreciate you listening talk to you soon